Yes, good morning. It's The Breakfast Show. Cameron Skirving with you on this Wednesday. It's the 13th of February 2013. And as it is a Wednesday, Dr. Andrew Corbett is joining us once again for his regular Wednesday morning discussion. G'day, um, Andrew. How are you going? Good, thank you, Cameron. Great That's to be good. with you again. And I think we've got quite an interesting discussion ahead of us today. This is something that would have to be relevant to every listener which is not always the case for what we're talking no. about. So today, I think it is, and we are discussing, I, I think, what most of us would really want. Most of us, at some point, if we, if we were asked, what, what is it that you want out of life? It's probably going to come up that we want to be happy. We want to be happy, absolutely. Yeah, and, and here's the thing I've noticed, having been on this journey for a little while, that there are some things that people do that they assume will make them happy and invariably it doesn't and so what i've discovered by just looking at people who are genuinely happy is that they all seem to do five there's five things that they do and there's there's five sort of frames of reference that they use probably without even realizing it and as a result of that, they seem to have found the secret to happiness. So yeah. it's a really interesting phenomenon, Cameron. It's, it's, I was listening to, I think, a Stafford Williams little spot that we air, and he was mentioning the expectations that parents have for their children in different countries. And it was in America that the, the most... Uh, responses to what do you want for your children from parents came back as for them to be happy for them mm. to be happy it was interesting i think it was in europe where the the single greatest response what do you want for your children was that they wanted their children to be healthy and i think it was in japan where they wanted their children that they wished for their children to be wealthy so it's interesting happy healthy and wealthy um i thought you were going to say wise at the end there, well, <laughs> yeah and i think this was stafford williams point as well yes. that sometimes we have these expectations for our children these aspirations these goals for our children that that while there's nothing there's nothing wrong with any of those you know no. of course we want our children to be happy and of course we want our children to be healthy and if you've got the 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 potential to be wealthy then then go for it that that's fine but the the problem is if if that's if that is the goal that you have then you you're going to actually be i think misplaced in your expectations and this is a part of the point that he made as well that those parents in America who have an aspiration for their children to be happy currently american children have the highest rate of depression and uh, according to the surveys, uh, and, and I'm really uncomfortable even saying this because I, th I think this is um, there's, there's something fundamentally wrong with even this definition. But American children mm. apparently have the lowest self-esteem of any children in the world. Um, and and now now that I, re I reflect on it, it wasn't wealth, sorry, that the Japanese wanted. They, they wanted their children to be well educated, and the 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 point there was that the, the Japanese were hoping that through good education their children get, could go on to create 
wealth and become wealthy. Mm. But this whole this whole idea that life is all about being happy or life is all about being healthy and life is all about being well-educated so that you can get a good job or earn a good income or be in business or whatever is is one that I I would say that the majority of people barely even question. They mm. they would not even challenge that idea that that is what life is all about. And for most people, happiness seems to be their number one goal. I was watching because uh, I had someone uh, ask me as a Christian, could I please have a look at a, a series that's been running on SBS TV by a mentalist by the name of Darren Brown. Now, Darren Brown is a, an, a strident, ardent atheist. Okay. Darren Brown uses uh, magic, hypnosis, uh, psychosomatics, all these kinds of things to manipulate the way people think. And he is very, very good. He He's on a mission to disprove God. And he won't tell you that, but that's... That is very clearly what he is about. And in one of his shows, he, he actually said, I'm going to pretend to be a Christian and I'm going to pretend to convert an atheist to Christianity. And Darren Brown used all these emotional manipulation tools that hypnotherapists can use to trick an atheist into believing there was a God and to give them, quote unquote, a religious experience. After they filmed that, they brought the particular person into the studio and Darren Brown explained step by step what he was actually doing to manipulate their emotions. And at the end of it, he said to the atheist, so you you were pretty convinced at that time that there was a God. Where are you now? And the atheist actually probably didn't give Darren Brown the answer he was hoping for because I think the answer was, well, I'm not quite sure now, which probably wasn't the answer he was after. Mm. I think he was trying to disprove that you know, religious experiences can be manipulated. Well, but then what was really interesting was with a wave of the hand, he then said this, well, if being religious makes you happy, then that's all right by me. You go for it. If that's what if that's what makes you happy, you go for it. But for me, I'm sticking to rationalism and atheism. And I thought, you scoundrel. Yeah. <laughs> you scoundrel. Because... The reason, just by the way, the reason I'm a Christian, Cameron, is not to be happy. That's not why I'm a Christian. I, I completely not even on my radar. Mm-mm. So some people have this idea that if being religious will help you to become uh, happy, then then good for you, but don't try and shove your religion down my throat. So here's the first thing that I've noticed about people who are genuinely happy. Number one is they they don't make happiness their goal. And here's a counterintuitive secret to happiness. Don't make happiness your goal. Don't make happiness your goal. And now the not that the American statistics are the be all and end all on this, but it is interesting that the millions of American parents who have aspired for their children to be happy have somehow in that process created the most depressed miserable teenagers on the planet yeah, it's amazing isn't it? it it really is and and there's there's a a charming poster that has a a, a person just sitting down in a field and butterflies just resting on their head shoulders and outstretched arms 
And the caption goes something like this, happiness is like a butterfly. If you chase after it, you'll chase it away. But if you can just rest, it will find you. And now, it almost sounds like some kind of ancient proverb, but it's a, it, it clearly is something that's based in a, a truism that if, if you are someone who makes happiness your goal, you are pursuing the wrong goal to actually find happiness. If you really want to find happiness, don't make happiness your goal. Make goodness your goal. Yeah. Make, make it yeah. a goal to be a good person. Think about what a good person is, Cameron. Uh, someone who's kind, caring, considerate. Someone who considers that what they do in private is, is just as important as what they do in public. In other words, your your life is not just the sum total of what people see. Your life is also the sum total of who you are, mm. even when people don't see who you are. So make goodness your goal. And the second thing that I've noticed about people who are just fundamentally happy, they, they just have a true and genuine happiness, is that they're not dependent on others for their happiness. Now, this is a I think a really big lesson, and if parents can convey this to their children, that here it is, others don't make you happy. No. Others don't make you happy. Mm. And the person who really doesn't get this will use language like, you make me feel happy, or you make me feel angry, or you make me feel sad, or mm. whatever. Just, add, just fill in the blanks on the emotion. Mm. Mm. The reality is, Cameron, that no one makes you feel anything you choose how you feel mm. now that person may do something that you know causes you to you know f- feel upset but but notice what i've said there that person may do something it's the something it's not them mm. you see that that's right so this is where you know marriage counseling when when you have a couple that's in a in a bit of tension one of the things that we do is we help them to distinguish that person from the behavior of that person because oftentimes my my children's behaviour will make me angry. It's not it's not my children that I'm angry with as such as it is what they're doing, and so it's their behaviour. But this is really important that we sometimes get miserable because someone else hasn't made us happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know whether it's a friend or a, a loved one or a, a a person in a position. That yes, now, that's a big one, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. I think can be a big one. I, I think we can we can have misplaced misery when we have these kinds of expectations on people in authority or in a position where we think it's their responsibility to make us happy. Hmm. Uh, and th- this is this is just really setting yourself up for misery and misery you know misery sadness it's kind of the the beginning of what for many people will will lead to depression mm-hmm. but if you can get this that okay it's not others who make you happy if you if you can get that you can see that you can be you know, just let this possibility begin to dawn on you you can be happy despite despite what how others treat you or despite how others don't treat you, you can you can be happy. So, Cameron, let's let's break to a song. Let's yep. come back after the song, and we're going to talk about probably one of the biggest myths about finding happiness, 
and we'll deal with that when we come back from this song. Sounds good. Okay, a song coming up from Robbie Williams next, and uh, then back with this great subject on the Wednesday morning uh, discussion with uh, Dr. Andrew Corbett. Tell someone to love me I need to rest in arms Keep me safe from harm I'm pouring rain Give me endless summer Lord, I feel the cold Feel I'm getting old Before my time As my soul Heals the shame Lord, I'm doing all I can to be a better man. Go easy on my conscience, cause it's not my fault. I know I've been taught to take the blame. Rest shot my angels, or catch my tears. Walk me out of here I'm in pain As my soul Heals the shame I will grow Through this pain Lord, I'm doing All I can To be a better man Launceston's YFM, it's now 8.50 and uh, there's been a man from um, Robbie Williams which uh, sort of goes in to uh, our uh, subject uh, this morning that we were uh, discussing with Dr Andrew Corbett. It's uh, all about uh, five ways of uh, maintaining uh, a happy life and uh, I always think that it's... um, uh, it, it's, it can be a challenge sometimes, but uh, as Dr. Andrew Corbett just uh, mentioned there before, that um, it's uh, all about uh, cr- um, not be- being happy means not uh, creating a goal 
to be happy. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good subject. Just saying, uh, yeah, to Dr. And, uh, Dr. Andrew, he's just uh, stepped back into the studio. But you made a good point before that to, to be happy, one of the best ways to do it is uh, not create a goal to be happy. I think that's a really good um, good point there. Yeah, it's it's called serendipity, Cameron. Yeah, I love it. Yes. <laughs> that's what it is. Yes, that's what serendipity. it is. Serendipity. In other words, the things that you really want come to you when you're not really pursuing them. Mm. And it's it really is something that I think people need to get that if if you're making you know happiness you go I remember when I left I was I was with a a, a large company and I, I left that company and as I was leaving some of the other managers came up and said because I was leaving to become a pastor yeah yeah and I was going from a salary with benefits I had um, pretty good lifestyle and and I was going to nothing actually <laughs> Well, it was going to serve in a pioneer capacity and wasn't going to be paid for quite some time and, and I didn't know how it was going to work out and 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 they, they couldn't understand it and several of them made the comment, well, okay, as long as, as, long as you're happy, as if happiness was, is the thing. And, yeah. and as I said, I, I think we need to make goodness our goal, being mm. a good person. I mean, this is where you made the point, you know, Healthy, wealthy, and complete the sentence. You know, wise. Yeah, well, well yeah, you think it'd be yeah. wise. You know, wise being a part of being a good person. Yeah. But, but for many people, um, uh, happy, uh, healthy, wealthy, and uh, for them, educated. Yeah. So, um, I, now here's here's the other one. This is a big one that, and I hear people talk about this all the time, uh, and they're usually quite depressed. Actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> they're usually quite down, and they think. They think this is the thing that's going to make them happy, when in fact, if, if they could have a look at their life, they'd realise that the very thing that they assume is making them happier is actually making them more miserable. And it's this one. Happiness, and it's, happiness does not come from putting yourself first. No. Happiness does not come from putting yourself first. And and it's it, it really is counterintuitive because you think well look I'm just I'm making everyone else happy I'm I'm helping others I'm doing this I'm doing that it's about time I looked after number one, one. yes and invariably Cameron when I hear people who talk like that they they end up becoming miserable and depressed yes. they end up becoming miserable and sad because it, it kind of dovetails into that first principle again that if you just go directly making happiness the meaning and pursuit of your life you won't find either you won't find meaning and you won't find the real satisfaction and pursuit of your life being happiness but if you can if you can learn that in it's and it's counterintuitive these are five counterintuitive secrets to happiness that if you can learn that happiness actually comes from serving others it actually comes when you serve or help others it really is counterintuitive but there are people that have perhaps executive positions or high-paying professional positions and they have gone on um, perhaps a, a stint where they've served as a volunteer. Mm. Not being paid for it, barely being thanked for it, and yet the deep satisfaction they've had from doing that has brought them tremendous happiness. And this is what I've... I have found this, Cameron, that people who are in the people who are in the helping people life, mm-hmm. people who who help other people, seem to have a deep happiness, a deep personal happiness 
that the many people don't have because there does seem to be a principle that when you put yourself first and your happiness first you you actually won't achieve the thing you're looking for so if you really want true lasting deep real happiness get out of the mindset that says you're going to put yourself number one and i'm going to look after number one from now on i'm going to have me time and of course there's a balance to this and begin to think in terms of who can i help and it's it's another principle of sowing and reaping and this principle of sowing and reaping looks like this i, I really do want to be happy cameron you want to be happy mm-hmm. people all the people we know really want to be happy but here's this principle of sowing and reaping and it, it sounds like this and it really is a counterintuitive principle but is a principle that applies not just to happiness but to many other facets of life give away what you want now, of course that's counterintuitive because if i give it away i haven't got it anymore yeah but the counterintuitive principle can be it, it, it just all i'm saying is just try it just just try it you want someone to be nice to you be nice to them be nice to someone show an act of kindness there was there was that wonderful movie called paying it forward and i don't know if you ever saw that cameron paying it forward where there was a a school teacher played by kevin spacey who set a task for his children to change the world <laughs> how's that it was like a grade four class he said okay over these over these school holidays it was like term break or something uh, your your homework is to do something that will change the world <laughs> and one one of the kids who came from a, a single parent home uh lived alone with his mum dad had left and he he thought about this and and he he thought how on earth can a 10-year-old kid change the world? And then he, he just got this little idea, this just this little idea, and this little idea was, if perhaps I can show someone undeserved kindness, and instead of, instead of them paying me back, I ask them, don't pay me back, pay it forward. Don't go back, go forward, pay it forward. In other words, I'll show you an undeserved random act of kindness, you go and show someone else yeah. an undeserved yeah. random act of kindness. That's a good idea. Okay, wow. well, within three months, the spiral, the upward spiral, the revolution, as it shows in this movie, had taken hold. And, and mm. it actually transformed the city where they lived. And it transformed, eventually, it, it gained national notoriety. This whole idea of paying it forward... And this is, again, embedded in this principle of sowing and reaping. Give away what you want. You know, if you want, if you want finance, help someone who's in financial trouble. If you, if you want love, show someone an act of love. If you want a smile, try it. Give someone a smile. See, I Always just smiled do. at you oh. and it worked straight away. Oh. <laughs> you see? So oh. give away what you want. So these are, these are very counter-intuitive principles and Cameron I guess in in our society there there are going to be people who say no look this is this is silly none of this will work well I'm going to ask the question right now if you think these principles are silly in other words you're not abiding by these principles you're not living by these principles just tell me generally how are we going as a as a as a community are we are we a generally happy community (laughs) 
Hmm. Um, yeah, well, not really. Not really. It doesn't look that way, does it, Cameron? In other words, in other words I, I, I suspect we haven't even got anything to lose no, here with this. No. That if we can begin to apply these counterintuitive principles to finding happiness, these five secret counterintuitive principles, that we could actually literally transform the way we we get along the the, yeah. the the very the very fabric of our social society can change if if we get a grip of what we're talking about here so don't make happiness your goal don't define your happiness by what others do or don't do or how they treat you how others treat you or mistreat you mm-hmm. is not a uh, is not the thing about whether you are happy or not and then don't make yourself the primary goal. Don't don't mm. think that to be happy, you have to put yourself first. Your happiness can actually come from serving and helping others. And, and after the news camera, let's come back and let's talk about the last two, which are probably the big two. And then I've got a little postscript on this, which I think might help a lot of people. Awesome. We'll look forward to that. You're listening to Launceston's YFM. Dr. Andrew Corbett with us once again for the weekly uh, Wednesday morning discussion, and uh, we'll uh, continue that. I'm looking forward to his postscript, actually. That sounds pretty awesome. Right now, it's time for the latest UCB news. It's now 9 o'clock. Good morning. Becoming the po- Dr. Andrew Corbett here with us, of course, as well with his uh, weekday, or his, his Wednesday regular discussion. Great to have you on board this morning, and a very positive subject, I might say, too. Yeah, I, I I think happiness is one of those things that we we can actually achieve. But here's some counterintuitive advice on how we can probably better achieve it. And you can you can find happiness. And I want to in the postscript sort of talk about understanding happiness and how it can help people who perhaps do battle. And there, Cameron, we all know people who really battle. With thoughts of discouragement, negative thoughts, sense of hopelessness, and they would love to be happy. And it's 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 probably about time that we we realise. Well, whatever you've been prescribed, uh, and I and I don't mean pharmaceutically. I'm I just mean in the way you live that you you assumed was going to bring you happiness. You know how's that working? And if it's not, then you know, only a blowfly keeps doing the very thing the same time over and over and over, expecting a different yes. result, you yes. know. And that's why it ends up dead on the windowsill in the morning. <laughs> it's, you know, yes. And we don't want to live like blowflies. Hey, you know, you can hit your head so many times against the glass and go, I don't think this glass is going to bend. And so, in other words, I'm doing this to be happy and I just keep feeling sadder and more depressed. So maybe I'm not getting this right. And I'm suggesting, well, maybe you're not. Maybe you really do have to begin to think differently about happiness. So here's the, here's the fourth one. Now, I think this is a, a super duper big one. And I, do, I will probably upset quite a few people with this one. And probably quite a few salesmen on this one. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. But, but, well, here we go indeed. The, the greater happiness comes from delayed gratification rather than instant 
gratification. Mm, yes, yes. So the greater happiness comes from delaying your gratification rather rather than getting your instant gratification. Now, Kevin, this is th- this is going to sound like I'm speaking Martian to a whole bunch of people because <laughs> because well, if I want it, I can have it. If I if, if I want that now. By golly, I'm going to get it now, and, and nothing's going to stop me. And and there are so many ways. So many songs about that too. Oh, well, we we have entire footwear corporations that that tell us that if you want it, just do it. You know, it's yes. it's it. You can have it right now. You don't have to wait. There's there's no reason to delay at all. So this is this is where. If, if you can understand that tremendous happiness comes when you actually do delay your gratification. Mm. Delayed gratification does not diminish happiness. Delayed gratification increases happiness. Now, again, I know people are going to be listening going, oh, I don't even know what he's talking about. What on a delayed gratification? Delay what? You know, I can have it and I can have it right now. I can walk into a store without a... I was going to say without a dime in my pocket, without I'm in the wrong country, without a, without a cent, and and I can walk out with a uh, an 800 square inch plasma screen TV in my back pocket, and I didn't put a cent down on it, and I can have it right now. Not only can you watch it, it can heat your home. Now, um, this this whole attitude that that if you want it. You deserve it, and you can have it now, and we can give it to you on 700 easy interest-free payments because we've already built the interest into the repayments. And this is just going to lead to misery. I I know of someone who finished high school, and they, they, you know, their parents were mean. Their parents were horrible because their parents wouldn't buy them an iPhone when they were in high school, Cameron. Can you believe some parents these days? And so the this particular child, uh, child teenager, was was so upset. But as soon as they left home, they went down to the local phone store and to the credit of one of the phone stores, they wouldn't give them an account to uh, go into debt to buy an iPhone. But I'm going to be bold here to the discredit of another particular phone carrier. They did. They they gave them. A, a, they set up a loan for them to buy an iPhone, and now they're they're making a, a payment of you know um, two hundred and fifty dollars a month or whatever it was to to buy this phone plus the phone contract, and they could barely afford it. They argued yeah. that they could afford it, they, but they really wanted this. <laughs> Well, Karen, within three days of owning that phone, it fell out of their pocket, dropped on the ground... Oh, gosh. ...and smashed. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm laughing, only because I'm a fundamentally happy person, but I'm laughing (laughs) at the irony, at the irony of this, that they now had a phone that didn't work, and they now had something like a 36-month repayment plan that they had to meet mm. for nothing and now i find that really sad I, I just find that really really sad delayed gratification 
increases happiness. Cameron, so far this year, I've married one couple. I'm, oh, uh, I'm, I thought you were going to say you've married five times. What's going no, on? Well, it's funny, you know, my wife says this is uh, my husband. He, he, he marries lots of women. Um, and <laughs> as a marriage celebrant, I've got a wedding this Saturday. I'm doing, conducting a wedding this Saturday, and I've got another... Uh, I've lost count. I think I've got another five <laughs> to do over the next few months. So uh, one of the things that, that I do is is talk to couples about how their their wedding can can be the beginning of a sense of gratification in their relationship. And so delaying sexual gratification until they're married won't diminish their sexual relationship in their marriage. It will actually enhance it. It will, it will actually cause it to be far more satisfying this whole principle of delayed gratification mm. just because you want it doesn't mean you should have it and we we do our children a complete and utter disservice when we walk into a shop they go oh, i want that no stop it but i want that oh well if you really want it you can have it it's like what the heck mm. no way i mean sorry little johnny you're gonna have to learn from the age of two or three or even yep. one, that there are some things you just got to wait for. Mm. You have to delay gratification. Delayed gratification increases the sense of happiness. It doesn't diminish it. Let's come back after a song, Cameron. Okay. And let's let's deal with the fifth one, and let's have a little postscript on this, and let's deal with one of the one of the things that I see people do in the pursuit of happiness that is probably one of the biggest myths about finding happiness there is okay back with that shortly here's a classic now Don't worry. 
Be happy. Okay, I give you my phone number. When you worry, call me. I'll make you happy. Ain't got no cash, ain't got no style Ain't got no gal to make you smile But don't worry Be happy Cause when you're worried your face will frown And that will bring everybody down So don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy. Everybody like Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. Well, I guess the one of the ways of being uh, trying to be happy is uh, not to worry. <laughs> Easier said than so- done in this stress-filled world. Yeah, Bobby McFerrin there, of course, is uh, number one hit. Uh, don't worry. Be happy. We're enjoying. Uh, listening uh, this morning to Dr. Andrew Corbett giving us some wise words on uh, how to um, create how to be happy in your life and um, yeah we're going to wrap it up now we've got a postscript coming up from Andrew so yeah well let's do number five Cameron yes. the, the fifth myth it's it, well the fifth it's it's a myth and but it's the it's counterintuitive when you see the opposite to this myth so the, the myth is that happiness can only come from doing those things that I enjoy when the reality is that happiness often comes when you've done something you didn't enjoy. It comes from enduring hardship. Happiness comes from overcoming adversity. Mm. Happiness comes from rising to a challenge that you didn't want. It was an unwelcomed challenge. But even still, you rose to the challenge and you were able to meet that challenge head on. Tremendous happiness can come from these things. Now, this is utterly counterintuitive because we, we tend to think, well, happiness can only come from doing those things that I enjoy. When we know in life we can observe people who have gone through tremendous hardship and have come out happy. Hmm. Now, this we really need to, to understand this because some people won't take a job because that job is particularly onerous or difficult. And for them, that that job is not a job that's going to make them happy. When counterintuitively, it might be exactly the opposite. In other words, doing something that you're not necessarily going to enjoy, but the challenge of it could could 
serendipitously <laughs> bring you to a place of great happiness. Mm. Now, I, I guess if we had the time, we'd unpack this a bit because it's not just these huge things that that create hardship or difficulty. It's not just the the you know the the natural disasters. It's not the loss of a loved one. It's not all those big things mm. that in in the moment make it very difficult to see how anything happy can result. Yes. It's often in the little things, the little, the tiny little things, someone cutting you off in traffic. And we, we, our most natural impulse is to wind the window down and, you know, put some digits in the air <laughs> and yes. wave them at the other person. Yes. And, and that's called road rage. And, you know, we think that's, that's you know, if I do that, that, that will make me happy, which always intrigues me. <laughs> Expressing your road rage can actually make you happy. <laughs> when, yeah, in fact, right. probably counterintuitively, if you just calm down, just, hey, you've probably done this to someone as well. You don't know what's going on in their world, in their car or whatever. Just let it go. Don't worry about it. And you'll probably find that by overcoming that ch- that that challenge, the challenge there is to remain calm. Yes. And th- there there could be interruptions. Uh, Cameron, I, I I at one point felt exasperated by the number of interruptions when I uh, started to get into the role that I'm in. I I found that I was continually interrupted, and I I longed for uninterrupted space and here I am now um, now 18 years into my pastorate and 18 years into this this phase of my life and and that uninterrupted space has never come mm. it's just never come so I've had to learn to reinterpret interruptions I've had to learn to reinterpret things that come up I've had to learn to reinterpret those challenges and ha- having staff and having people that I'm managing, they make mistakes, Cameron. And oh yeah, I <laughs> know. No. And I'm not perfect, you know, Doctor Andrew. <laughs> and and it, and you know, in one sense, you you know, you could just let that become a, a tremendous yes. source of frustration. Yes. Or if you learn to meet that challenge, figure out how. Okay, exactly. let's redeem this. Yes. Let, let's figure out how we can best use this. There's a calmness that comes from that, and I'm sort of bumping into my postscript in a minute, but but there's a calmness that comes from that where you can actually find, even in the midst of these niggling, annoying, frustrating things that happen in life, you can find this deep, abiding happiness. Mm-hmm. So, let, let's just refresh. Number one, don't make happiness your goal. Make goodness your goal. Don't think that others make you happy. You can be happy despite others. Number three, don't put yourself first in the pursuit of happiness because happiness more often comes from serving and helping others. Number four, greater happiness comes from delayed Mm -hmm. gratification. The, the, The mantra, I want it, I want it now, I must have it, does not lead to lasting happiness. And fifthly, we've just talked about it, happiness... It's a myth that happiness can only come from doing those things I enjoy. It obviously comes from doing things you enjoy, but it also comes counterintuitively from doing things you don't enjoy. Mm. And this is where we, we need people to step up a bit and 
okay, there, there are going to be committees you're going to be asked to join. You're going to think, oh, man, I don't want another night out. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be happy. Yes. Well, you may find that another night out and learning how to figure that out and balance that and get that sorted in your life may actually result in tremendous happiness in your life. So these are counterintuitive things. All right, here's the postscript. Cameron, then we're done. In, in all of this, there, there are going to be people that say, well, that's all right for you. You've probably got a, an easy life. You, you don't get what I'm going through. And, and to a certain extent, without actually hearing what you're going through, you're, exa- you're absolutely right. I, I don't know what you've gone through. In, you know, it, to sound a little bit defensive, for the best part of 25 years as a pastor, I've been working with people who have gone through all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of adversity, all kinds of trial, all kinds of hardship, and you end up becoming, in one sense, you you end up becoming very soft, very compassionate toward people who are going through tremendous difficulty, tremendous struggle. So here's what I would say as a postscript. There will be times in your life when you will most naturally be sad. Oh, yeah. And and I, I guess I want to make the point that it's that at times that sadness is utterly normal and utterly healthy. It's actually normal and healthy to feel sad. This is the normal range of emotions for a normal, healthy person. And in the midst of that, and this is the, the big ticket mm-hmm. item on my postscript, it, it, it's this. Some people, it helps some people to see a difference between happiness and joy. There's a there's a joy that you that can that can bed a person in the midst of deep sadness, and I know that sounds again counterintuitive, but that joy is not yip yip hooray I'm so happy type joy. It's a joy that is a rest. Mm. It is a peace. Mm. It it. It's a rest and a peace because you are in a relationship of trust. When you trust a higher power, as many refer to God as, when you trust God, this higher power than yourself, that he has your life in his hand and that as you trust your life to him, no matter what life throws at you, you know according to to his promise to you, Romans 8.28, that he is able to make all things work together for good. So even in the midst of tragic loss, which you will endure, and I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that, even in the midst of surprises and things that will catch you off guard, you can know a deep and abiding joy that looks like, feels like, I trust God that this will work out. And so, Cameron, that's my postscript, that yes, happiness is achievable. There's, we've given five counterintuitive secrets to having a better chance at finding real, true, and lasting happiness. But that doesn't mean that every waking moment of your life will be a happy moment. Mm. There will be times when you feel sad. Mm. So, Cameron, there we go. There's five things that I think will be most practical. So... Anyway, I'll, I'll be back next Wednesday and we're going to talk about something that I think is going to impact 
homes in particular. Sounds good. We'll uh, join Dr. Andrew at the same time next week here on Launceston's YFM. And uh, if you'd like a copy of today's... uh of today's talk then uh, we will be uploading that onto our website very very soon for you to download it's now 926 we've got bon jovi's new song coming up next and also on the way to carl fays with the breakfast show edition of the daily nudge